Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. I'd like to focus right now on the uh, Malay Heritage Center and a lot of different programs they have going on right now and focusing on the many, many aspects of old olden times in Singapore, including the fact that there were diamond cutters here in Singapore, a very active community down in that part of town in what they call the Banjar community. Joining us now on Facebook Live is Nasri Shah, the curator at the Malay Heritage Center. And joining us from the center right now, Nasri, good to see you. Thanks for being with us on Weekend Mornings. Good morning. Thanks for having us. And uh, tell us about, uh, tell us about, first of all, give us an overview of the Malay Heritage Center. I was there years ago. I have not been there, I'll be honest with you, in a bunch of years. Tell us what is generally going on there. Well, the Malay Heritage Center is an, uh, a gallery as well as a programming center. That's one of three heritage institutions that's run by the National Heritage Board. And so together with our fellow heritage institutions, the Indian Heritage Center in Little India, as well as the Sun Yat-sen Nanyang Memorial Hall, Mm. we each present the history of our different ethnic communities in Singapore through a variety of programs, workshops, um, and exhibitions like the one that I'm standing in right now. And this, uh, the Heritage Center, or this area, I should say, is is such a, an old and historic area that, of course, Singaporeans would know about, but maybe some who are listening or are not uh, native to Singapore might not know just how important the Kampong Glam area is. Can you give us a little bit of perspective on that? Sure. So uh, Kampong Glam today, some people might be more familiar with it for its restaurants, its shopping haunts along Haji Lane. Mm. The history of Kampong Glam is actually not too far off from its reality today in that Kampong Glam has always been a site of commerce, of trade, partly because this was one of the first port of calls that our migrants, particularly from around the region in Indonesia as well as Malaysia, actually made home when they first arrived in Singapore. And so you would actually encounter different pockets in Kampong Glam that were segmented according to the different sort of ethnic communities that sort of lived around there. So you would have an area of Busara Street today, which was once known as Kampong Kaji, mm-hmm. because of all the, named after Haji, because of all the Hajj pilgrims that would live around there, and so on and so forth. And, and um, it was also a site of residence, so people would live there, but also run their businesses there as well. Yeah. The, uh, talking with Nasri Shah, the curator at the Malay Heritage Center in Kampong Glam. And how has the area been doing because of the pandemic and the circuit breaker? Did, did we see restaurants and businesses go out of business there or have people been managing to hold on? Well, the community here is very close-knit. The Malay Heritage Center is in very good relationship with businesses and the stakeholders here. We're very much involved in all our programming. Of course, it has been a little bit quieter compared to um, pre-circuit breaker days because of um, the fact that we don't have as many tourists as we had before. But uh, it's actually been quite heartening because we do see a lot of uh, locals still coming here for dinner, uh, just to hang out. 
you know, catch over some drinks and things like that. Mm. So things are picking up and I'm hoping that this exhibition will give another reason for people to come back to the area. Absolutely. And, and part of the, as you mentioned, the Malay Heritage Center there is looking at the different subgroups of Malay culture in Singapore. One of them is the Banjar community. And I had not heard of this before we started talking about the, doing this segment. Tell us, tell us about that community. Sure. So I'm actually in the first uh, section of the gallery and the exhibition is spread across two galleries. Mm -hmm. Banja community is actually um, the fifth community that we've organized an exhibition with. Uh, and previous communities have included the Minang community, the Boyan community, some of which you may be more familiar with, for example. The Banja community is uh, arguably thought to be the smallest sub-ethnic Malay community in Singapore. The name Banja comes from the Banja Regency in South Kalimantan, which is also home to the largest of Kalimantan area. And a lot of Banja people in Singapore today do trace their origins to various cities in South Kalimantan. What were they, what were um, they, they known for? Yeah, so Banja Masen or Banja Regency, along with the other cities, they are, the city itself is known as the city of a thousand rivers. And that's because they're very well connected to the larger sort of ocean maritime trade. So a lot of them actually found their livelihood based on peddling uh, raw materials, including, uh, as you mentioned earlier, diamond, raw diamond, hmm. uh, because they have one of the largest natural deposits of diamond oh. um, in the region. That's right. Huh. So when we had the opportunity to uh, go there to do our research, um, you do find that the diamonds are significantly cheaper than you would get somewhere else. So if you were looking to make your own jewelry, uh, that would be one spot you wanted to go to. Head to, but, Ka- um, head to Kalimantan, huh? <laughs> that's right, yes. So so we have here, I'm trying to get a good angle for this. Yeah, just turn the camera uh, have, whatever way you need to show us what, whatever you need to show us. Sure. So we have right here a census that's uh, a census of the population of Singapore. Mm. These were taken uh, fairly annually up until a few uh, a century ago. And in this census, you find that actually uh, Singapore had one of the largest Banja population back in 1911 hmm. compared to Penang and Malacca. And that number has actually dwindled quite a bit. So in 1900, uh, 1990, when a census was taken back then, only 12 people identified as Banja. So that's quite a significant decrease hmm. in the, popu- oh, oh, the population that identifies as Banja. Yeah. Besides diamond, the diamond trade, uh, you mentioned they were traders of goods and things. As they found their way to Singapore, were they sort of importer-exporter types or did they do other things as well within the community? Yes. So in response to the first question, they did sort of, some of them did continue the diamond business, but they probably didn't play such a a front-facing role. They probably established their own businesses and then relied on their contacts in Banjamasin to sort of import diamonds for them. Mm. Uh, But some of them, because of the wealth that they amassed from uh, trading in diamonds, uh, they actually branched out into real estate instead So actually, some of the roads uh, in Singapore are actually named after some people in the Banja community. Do you remember which ones? 
One of them is Jalan Jamal, which okay. is located somewhere in the east. Yeah. So that actually was a, a, an ancestor, one of our community contributors, Sheku Ghazali. Yes. Very so, interesting. Um, yeah. Yes. Oh. What yes. else? What else can we see at the uh, at the Malay Heritage Center? And uh, I'm, I'm speaking with uh, Nasri Shah, who's the curator there at the Malay Heritage Center. What else? What else is on display for this Banjar community? Sure. So since we're on the topic of diamonds, mm. uh, I'd like to show you this uh, little specimen right here. I'm not sure if you can see. It's fairly small, but uh, that is actually a replica of the Banjarmasin diamond. Now, um, the Banjarmasin diamond was actually a 77-carat diamond wow. that belonged to Sultan Adam, which is one of the sultans of Banjarmasin. But um, in 1859, because of the ensuing Banjarmasin war, the uh, Dutch East Indies government actually uh, took some of the royal regalia that belonged to Sultan Adam, including the 77-carat diamond. Huh. Now, when it was uh, when it was taken and it arrived in Rotterdam, curiously, the carat of the diamond actually reduced, and we now only have forty carats of the diamond left, and that's in the Netherlands. Oh. So uh, we would have loved to bring it to Singapore, but unfortunately, we couldn't. So the best thing that we have is a replica of it. But we did try to follow um, the specifications that were provided by the museum, and this is sort of what you get. I'm not sure if you can see it because of the reflection. Yeah, we can see it. Uh, it I mean, it's it's big. Yeah, it's definitely something that. Too bad it's not the real one. So, what happened to the other uh, 30 carats or so? Did I mean, did they split? Did somebody cut the diamond and make off with the rest of it? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. Um, it is war booty in a way, so I'm sure whoever yeah. did what they did with the diamond wouldn't want for for it to be known today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, as as you're looking around Nasri, what else can we see in that uh, in that exhibition there at the Malay Heritage Center? Sure. So I'm actually walking right now to the second gallery. So. As I mentioned, the exhibition is spread across two galleries. Mm. Now, in this second gallery, we focus more on the Orang Banja in Singapore, how they sort of localized and adapted their culture in Singapore in tandem with the circumstances here. Uh, and some of the things that are contributed include things that were made by the community members today in commemoration of their history and their heritage. So. Uh, what I'd like to show here, actually, is this house, these two house models. Now, I mentioned that one of the sites that were named after the Banjar community is Jalan Jama, and that's in the east. Um, and in fact, a lot of the Banjar uh, uh, members actually settled in the east. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not sure why. A lot of them sort of relocated to the east. And this particular house in uh, was um, modeled after a childhood home hmm. of one of our community members in Lorong Marikan, which is today located along Sims Avenue. Now, the remarkable thing about this house model, although you know it looks like a typical house model, yeah. the interesting thing is that the uh, a contributor, Mr. Ghazali, actually reconstructed this from memory. So hmm. he didn't actually have any photographs of his home wow. uh, to use as reference. And he basically relied on his memories of growing up in particular spots in the house, 
where he used to play, hmm. and he basically reconstructed the entire house based on piecing together those different memories. <laughs> um, and so when he was sharing the model, the house model with us, he would talk about how underneath the raft, uh, underneath the house, the floorboards of the house, because it's a raised house, it used to rain a lot back then, and it would use the flood. And yeah. he talked about how he and his uh, siblings, as well as his childhood friends, would sort of make little makeshift boats and then sort of get on those boats and while it was flooding and sort of get under the house and pretend that they were sort of little banja travelers themselves. <laughs> oh, that's great. And that does really give you a sense of, of what the, you know, the original structures look like. Uh, where, were the, where was that community based? Were they based in, in the Kampong Glam area or over toward the toward the river or where where were they when they originally settled in like you said the 19, 19 early 1900s so they were scattered in different parts of singapore uh, as i mentioned some of them did sort of eventually settle in the east mm. uh, but there was a sizable bunch of community in kampong glam itself mm-hmm. precisely because of the diamond trade and actually two of our contributors Farida and Fauzia Jamal they actually grew up in a house along Jalan Pisang hmm. which is where the Haja Maimuna restaurant is today and they uh, were actually they actually remember growing up seeing their father making diamond jewelry and polishing diamond and cutting <laughs> diamond and, and, it, and the location worked because there were uh, jewelers in the area so what he would do is he would cut and polish these diamonds and then supply them to the jewelers that were in the area ah, yeah very interesting and w- so tell us uh, tell us about some of the um the specifics about going to the malay uh, heritage center when is it open how can people reach do you have to make an appointment to go some of those things related to covid19 hmm so you don't have to make an appointment to visit our exhibition. We are open from Tuesdays to Sundays and we're closed to Mondays. Uh, we're closed on Mondays and we're open from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. So all you need to do is come down and make yourself known to our visitor services center and they'll be happy to assist with any queries in getting around the space and exhibition. I'd also like to mention that the exhibition is running alongside the Malay Culture Festival mm, or sure. Malay Culture Fest. Uh-huh. Uh, and that is predominantly taking place online. So uh, if you're not the sort to want to go out, you can actually experience some performances, including dances from South Kalimantan on um, a website dedicated to the Malay Culture Fest. Fantastic. What a great, uh, interesting look at a, at a fairly unknown part of Singapore, Malay culture. Nasri Shah, curator at the Malay Heritage Center, bringing the Urang Banjar heritage and culture of the Banjar community in Singapore to us. Uh, thanks so much. We appreciate your time today and looking forward to getting down there and seeing the exhibition in person. Yes, we look forward to seeing you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.